I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I'm grateful to God for this privilege he has extended to me to fellowship with you, the family at uh, Advent Hope on the campus of Loma Linda University in Southern California. It's an honor to speak for God and he has granted that to me and I thank him for it. And my commitment to him is to present the truth as faithfully and as effectively as I can. And one way surely to do that is to keep my opinions to myself and only review thus said the Lord. In Prophets and Kings, page 626, Elohite writes, the words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit. And so my desire is to give you simply the words of God. Jesus says of the words of God, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He did not say that about my words. And so that's my desire. If there's anyone watching internationally from any other country, thank you very much. May the Lord bless those countries represented by the viewing audience. May the Lord bless the leaders of those countries that their decisions they make may be advantageous to the spread of the word of God. The Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation. And I like to use that verse when I'm online because we go all over the world. Leaders need to understand that doing what's right has benefits and benefits alone. There are no negative side effects to proceeding along a course of righteousness. My particular welcome I extend to anyone who is not a Seventh-day Adventist. If you're not an Adventist and you're watching, we are delighted to have you. And I hope that you will be blessed, that the Lord will particularly and specially bless your children if you have them in the home. Thanks again for joining us. Our subject for this day is how to resist temptation. How to resist temptation. Before I begin, three little favors I will ask of you. One, if you're using a device as a Bible, please make sure it does not ring because we're worshiping God and reverence is required even if we're worshiping him under a tree. God demands reverence from us. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. That is based on Jeremiah chapter one, verse nine, which says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. In that verse, I see the cooperation between the divine and the human in doing the work of God. Then the Lord, that's divine, put forth his hand, that's divine, and touched my mouth, that's human. And the Lord divine said unto me, human, I divine have put my words divine in thy mouth, human. And so God will have this treasure in this very, very earthen vessel called Randy Skeet. Favor number three, I want you to think as you listen. Thinking is not as automatic as you may believe. A lot of people listen without thinking, but you must think it is required by God. Isaiah 118, come now, 
Let us reason together, saith the Lord. It is comforting to know that there is a God in heaven who is reasonable. He tells us, let us, you and God, let us reason together. He came down into the garden to reason with Adam. He came to Cain to reason with Cain. God wants to reason with us. And if we will accept this invitation to reason with God, he will lead us in the path of truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless us now as we worship you through the spoken word. Put your words in my mouth, dear God. The words of life, the spirit-filled word. I humble myself before you, Father, and my desire in so far as I can identify it is to glorify you by presenting thus said the Lord. Help me to do that day, God, in a simple way so that even a child will understand. Bless all those listening. Bless every country represented by the listening audience, dear Father. Bless the leaders. If anyone listening has contracted the coronavirus, I'm asking you, dear God, in the name of the great physician, Jesus Christ, Heal that person, Father. And for those of us who have not yet been touched by it, protect us from the coronavirus, COVID-19. Now, dear God, I commit this service to you. Use it for your glory and the blessing of your people whom you love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, we'll read from verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. And I read from the King James Version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We have a depiction of Christ himself under severe temptation. And I say severe because Christ is being tempted at the end of 40 days of physical fasting. He was hungry, and perhaps the stones looked like loaves of bread in the lonely desert. Christ was tempted by the devil. We can be assured if Satan tempted Christ, he will surely tempt us. Temptation is a reality of life under the system imposed upon us by Adam. By that I mean, since Adam sinned, we all live in a sinful world. We come into the world with a nature that prefers to sin. Let me say that again. Everyone born of fallen Adam comes into the world with a nature that prefers to sin. Another horrific way of expressing that is a nature that prefers to avoid God. Not necessarily avoid the church building, but avoid God. That's the condition with which we come into the world. That is why everyone born into the world needs a savior at any age. Everyone born into this world since Adam fell needs a savior. Temptation is a reality in our, a reality in our lives as it was in the life of Jesus. And Christ is a model for us regarding how to resist temptation. And what I will do is to outline a few steps. I hesitate to use the word technique. A few steps that are effective in assisting us in resisting temptation. Temptations, as I said, are ubiquitous as long as you live in this world. 
let us look at the most powerful way that we can use to resist temptation. We shall look at the word of God, the Bible, the word of God as the most effective weapon against temptation. But in order to understand the power of God's word in aiding us to overcome temptation, let's look more closely at the word of God. And let's look at the word of God as it relates to the chief of temptation, and that is the devil himself. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15, Thou wast perfect in thy ways in the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. That verse tells us also verse 13, that Lucifer was a created being. Now, the power that creates is greater than the thing created. And remember favor number three, reason, reason, the power that creates is greater than the thing created. A portrait is not as great as the one who painted the portrait. The power to create is greater than the thing created itself. Now we have read from the Bible, Ezekiel 28, 15, that Lucifer was created. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 38, paragraph three, LOI says, Jesus was the son of God. He was one with him before the angels were called into existence. And Lucifer surely was an angel. And I'm taking this long route to demonstrate the relationship between the word and its effect on Satan. Ella White writes, I repeat, Jesus was the son of God. He was one with him before the angels were called into existence. How were they called into existence? By the word of God. Psalm 148, reading from verse 1, 2, and 5. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him all his angels. Praise ye him all his hosts. Skip to verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. In other words, the angels were just called into existence. God did not use physical material as he did in the case of Adam but they were created by the word of God. He commanded and they were created. Among them was Lucifer. What I'm trying to show you is that Lucifer was created by the word of God. The thing that creates is greater than the thing created. The word of creation is greater than creation itself because the word of creation is the very power of God. It is the very life of God. The word that gave life, the word created trees, the word created animals. The word of creation has the power to give life because the life in that word is the very life of God. In the book, Education, page 126, paragraph four, Ella White writes, the creative energy that called the world into existence is in the word of God. This word imparts power. It begets life. Every command is a promise. Accepted by the will, received into the soul, it brings with us the life of the infinite one. It transforms the nature and recreates the soul in the image of God. She says it brings with it the life of the infinite one. The very life of God is in his word. 
Let me pause so that sinks in. The very life of God is in his word. Keep this in mind as you listen to John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What spirit? The spirit of God. What life? The very life of God. And so I repeat, the life of God is in his word, and there is nothing more powerful than the life of God. Now, Lucifer was made by the word of God. Clearly then, the word of God is more powerful than Lucifer, who is now Satan. That is why the most effective tool against Satan, against temptation, is the word of God, because the devil cannot conquer the word of God. He cannot overthrow the word of God. He can overthrow us when we lose our dependence upon God's word, but he cannot overthrow the word of God. He may deceive us into thinking otherwise, but when confronted with the word of God, the devil has no power. We've looked at the fact that the Satan was made, or Lucifer, by the word of God, his rebellion turned him into Satan. Now, let's look at the universe at large. Psalm 33, verse 6 and verse 9. And we look at Hebrews eleven three, 3. Psalm 33, verse 6. Before I go any further, let me pray again. Holy Father in heaven, control my mind, my mouth, my entire apparatus of expression. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, verse 9, for he spake and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. The word of God is something a finite mind cannot fully comprehend. How can God speak and planets appear? How can God speak and trees sprout from the ground? How can God speak and living creatures occupy the land, the sea, and the skies? This is the power of the word of God. This is the power you're holding in your hand wherever you are, the word of God. So by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And following Hebrew parallelism, the word of the God and the breath of his mouth have virtually the same thing. Verse 9, he spake, it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. Those two expressions are the same thing, one paralleling to the other. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Everything in creation came into existence by the word of God. I actually preached the sermon called hands-free operation, where I try to show that human beings, our first father and mother, were also made by the word of God. All of creation by God's word, which means that you and I live in an environment, local, global, and universal, that came into existence by the word of God, 
it is maintained by the word of God. We're discussing how to resist temptation. And I'm trying to lift up God's word as the central, the, the key weapon in resisting temptation. Not only is creation made by the word of God or was made, it is sustained by the same word. Hebrews chapter one, verse three, the Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. The sun follows its course by the word of God. The, the cells in our body function by the word of God. Business goes on in each individual mitochondrion by the word of God. The, the neurons, they communicate by the word of God. This is not exaggeration. This is biblical truth. That's why the Bible says in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. Without the word of God, everything would collapse. Now, since we live in an environment that came into existence by the word of God, is sustained by the word of God, our intelligent decision is to live by that word. That word is power. When we are tempted, our first recourse must be the word of God. And if we depend on the word of God, we frequently, we, we, we will not need another recourse because the word of God is comprehensive in its effect its effect as a deterrent to the devil and his temptations. But even before we get to the word of God, one way to deal with temptation, perhaps the really the most effective way, is to avoid it in the first place. Avoid it in the first place. I've heard this saying when I was a little boy, you've probably heard it, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. An ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. When Jesus went into the wilderness, he did not go looking for the devil. Satan knew where he was and followed him. Even though the Bible says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We must not take that to mean that Jesus went looking for trouble. Never go looking for the devil. By the way, there's something within the Adventist church, I believe, called deliverance ministry. People casting out devils. That's not a spiritual gift. Don't go looking for demons to cast out. If in doing the work of God, a situation arises where you have to respond, you must respond. But there's no such thing as professional exorcist within the church. It is not a spiritual gift. So please don't go practicing deliverance ministry. Let me say again, in doing the work of God, an occasion may arise when someone has to rebuke the enemy. But apart from that, there's no such thing as the gift of casting out devils. I get back to the point, avoiding temptation. Listen to how God described one of the sterling believers of the Bible. Job chapter 1, we'll read from verse 6. Our subject, how to avoid temptation. Job chapter 1, reading from verse 6, and I'll pray again. Holy Father, please continue to speak through me literally, dear God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Then Satan answered the Lord, and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. 
The fancy word eschew simply means to avoid. God said this of Job, he avoids evil. And as I said earlier, one of the most effective ways, or perhaps the most effective way to resist temptation is to not face it in the first place. Avoid situations and settings and circumstances that immediately generate temptations which you and I may not be able to handle. God describes Job as one who eschewed. A person who avoids is a person who understands the natural weakness of the fallen man, the natural weakness of the carnal nature, and chooses to avoid settings and situations that may place him or her in a compromised situation, causing that person to be overthrown by a temptation. Avoidance is key number one. Prevention rather than cure. But to the best of our ability, no matter how we try to avoid, temptations will come. This is the devil's speciality. And so feature number one, key number one, the word of God is the power we need to resist temptation. We looked at the word of God as it relates to the Lucifer. Lucifer was made by the word. Satan understands he was made by the word. Consequently, the word has more power than he does. We also saw the universe was made by the word. Let's look at the word as it relates to God. In Psalm 138, verse 2, the Bible says, the second half of that verse, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. This is what God's word means to him. God's reputation as a faithful God, a God upon whom we can rely, is based squarely on his word and his relationship to his word. God always keeps his word. That's why he has an intergalactic reputation for faithfulness. He never breaks his word as I do and perhaps you have done. He is always faithful to his word. That's the relationship between God and his word. Another thing to keep in mind, God's word has the very power and life of God, as we said earlier. And so the word of God and God, the word of God and Satan, the word of God and the universe in which we live, Satan was made by the word of God when he was Lucifer. Two, we live in an environment created by the word, sustained by the word. Three, God's word is elevated by God above all his name. And there are approximately 300 names for God in the Bible. The Bible says that has magnified thy word above all thy name. If God does not keep his word, he no longer has a claim to faithfulness and righteousness if he's not faithful to his word, to his covenant. And so the word of God, as it relates to God, shows us how God views his word. Again, it is so personal to him that it's a name he gave to his son, Revelation 19.13, and he was clothed with a, a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. It is the very name of Jesus. And we know that Jesus says, when you pray, if he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus has many names, but the one we must run to immediately is the word of God, because that's how Jesus resisted Satan. He went to the word. Now, I, am, I am extending my, uh, my time with this Technique number one for resisting, because it is simply so central and comprehensive. Jesus, now if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, but he answered and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's look at that microscopically. 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not the mouth of Socrates or the mouth of some famous philosopher, from the mouth of God, we're talking about the word of God, the Bible. Now, because this is largely a Seventh-day Adventist congregation, I will never, ever neglect to let us know that God has given to us a special source of wisdom and guidance to help us understand the word. And that special source, of course, the writings of Ellen White. And I must say that despite her growing unpopularity among us, which is very, very, very sad. So we have this source of wisdom. We have this knowledge, the word of God, and we have this blessed commentary, the insight from God's servant. We are to resist with the words that proceed from the mouth of God. This is what Jesus did. And by the way, Jesus resisted as a man, not as God. And I need to go in that direction briefly. It is a beneficial digression. Jesus resisted Satan, temptation, as a man. The belief is too widespread that Christ had an advantage in his struggle with sin. He had none. Christ came to show us how to live above sin, how to deal with the devil. He came to demonstrate in his condition, which was ours, which he took, that the righteousness of God's law can be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, Romans 8 verse 4. That's one of the reasons Jesus Christ came. And so Jesus the man, Jesus the man with the weakened nature which he inherited, Jesus the man susceptible to temptation, we know that God cannot be tempted. James 1, reading from verse 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, neither tempteth he any man. So Christ was tempted is proof he was not tempted as God. He was tempted as man. Yes, he was God in the wilderness. He always was both. The two natures were blended, but he faced Satan from the human side. And so we have the assurance that as Christ overcame, we can overcome the temptations that beset us every day, all day. This is God's expectation of us as we continue how to resist temptation. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus himself, speaking to John, he said, He to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. The question then arises, how did Jesus overcome? He overcame by the word of God. When Jesus said on the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, he did not mean he placed his spirit in the Father's hands. He trusted the word of God, which had said that his soul would not be left to see corruption. Jesus died trusting the word of God, not seeing a way out from the tomb where he was headed. This is an example for us. We must live by the word of God, even when the word of God seems to make no sense to our finite, limited, and corrupt minds. So Jesus said, it is written, not it is assumed, or I heard some gossip, it is written, meaning it is authoritative. Why is it authoritative? Because it was written by the Holy Spirit using human beings as his instruments of, of writing. Let me say that again. Yes, the Bible is a product of human and divine, but essentially the Holy Ghost is the author of the Bible using people as his instruments. And since the Holy Spirit is divine as the Father, when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about a divine weapon. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Genesis to Revelation proceeded out of the mouth of God. In dealing with temptation, tool weapon number one is the word of God. It worked for Jesus all his life. Jesus depended upon the word of the Father for spiritual victory and spiritual conquest. Another way to deal with temptation is to prepare ourselves before the temptation comes. What do I mean by that? We must be feeding on the word of God. Very often the devil finds us in very weakened conditions because we have not been feeding on the word of God. And consequently, when the wind blows, we are easily toppled, easily overthrown. It's not enough simply to say it is written so-and-so at the point of temptation. A weak person who says that may not say that with the level of faith required for that to be effective against such a great power as Satan, keeping in mind that before Satan fell, he was the highest power in angel next to God, in heaven next to God. Ella White writes, in the faith I live by, page 66, paragraph two. Speaking of Lucifer, she says, God made him good and beautiful as near as possible like himself. God made Lucifer as much like himself as he possibly could. And as I often say, the only reason why Lucifer wasn't a God was that he was created and you cannot create God. But he was made as much like God as God himself could have made him. When he left or when he was thrown out, all his power came with him. He simply lost his position. And after thousands of years of doing evil, he is more skilled in the art of doing evil and tempting. And so when we're confronting this power, we need not be intimidated. We must approach him in the word of God. But I'm making this point. Don't wait until the temptation in order to use God's word. We should be feasting on the word of God daily so it becomes our chief source of nutrients, you see, so that when he comes, he finds us with a, a spiritual immunity, if I may boldly use that word. We are, in, we are immunized, as it were, to a very large degree so that the temptations then can have little effect because he's tempted someone who has prepared himself or herself with the armor of God's word. A person who does not study the word of God and does not believe the word of God is setting himself up or herself up to be overthrown by the smallest and the slightest of Satan's temptations. When dealing with temptations, we need to understand the devil chooses his temptations very strategically. When he came to Christ, Christ had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was a human being. He was famished. He was faint. He was weak. That's when the devil came. The devil comes strategically. The devil didn't tempt him to rob a bank or to you know, steal somebody's social security check. The devil tempted him to turn stones into bread. It looked like a harmless invitation. Do something to ease your hunger. But Christ's mind, despite his famished condition, was still clear enough to recognize the danger to himself and to the entire plan of salvation. The only way that was possible is because Christ grew up on the word, feasting on the word. No wonder when he said to the disciples, when he was talking to the woman at the well in John chapter four, when they were gone off to buy, when they came back with food, they said to him in verse 31, master eat. 
he said to them, I have meat to eat, you know, not often. That was the gospel he was preaching to that lady. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them. Job tells us in Job 23, verse 12, he have, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This is the relationship we must have with the word of God if we are to use it as an offensive and a defensive weapon against temptation. I repeat, the words of Job, have esteemed the words of his mouth, Job 23, 12, more than my necessary food. My listening friends, this is not a symbolic statement. This is not, uh, this is literal. Job valued God's word more than physical food. There are people who value a basketball game more than breakfast or lunch or dinner. There are young people who value a video game more than breakfast and lunch. So it's no surprise if Job valued God's words more than his physical food. We see this phenomenon in our modern life. We have to come to the place where God's word means more to us than anything else on earth. Because the word contains the very life of God. The word is the plan of salvation. The word is power. The word is spirit filled. The word brings us into fellowship with God. You know, Ellen White has a very, very powerful quotation in Education, page 127, paragraph 1. She writes, with the word of God in his hand, every human being, wherever his lot in life may be cast, may have such companionship as he shall choose. In its pages, he may hold converse with the noblest and best of the human race and may listen to the voice of the eternal as he speaks with men, as he studies and meditates upon the themes into which the angels desire to look, he may have their companionship. He may follow the steps of the heavenly teacher and listen to his words as when he taught on mountain and plain and sea. He may dwell in this world in the atmosphere of heaven, imparting to earth's sorrowing and tempted ones thoughts of hope and longings for holiness, himself coming closer and still closer into fellowship with the unseen, like him of old who walked with God, drawing nearer and nearer the threshold of the eternal world until the portal shall open and he shall enter there. He will find himself no stranger. The voices that will greet him are the voices of the holy ones who unseen on earth were his companions. Voices that here he learned to distinguish and to love. He who through the word of God has lived in fellowship with heaven will find himself at home in heaven's companionship. A powerful statement. What she's saying is this, through the word of God, we may actually dwell in a heavenly atmosphere, even though physically we're on the earth. And if there's one thing the devil avoids is a heavenly atmosphere. We can so live, my friends, that we make tempting us an unpleasant experience for the devil. Why? Because we're dwelling in the very presence of God through constant interaction with God's word. Let me pause and say that again, because I believe you might have missed it. We can so live through the word of God that we live in the very presence of God, something Satan does not like. And by living in God's presence, by living in fellowship with God and with the angels and with the holy ones of scripture, we, in a certain sense, make it unpleasant for the devil to come to us, to tempt us. He still does his best, but it becomes a real experience for him. Why? Because through God's living word, we are in the very presence of God. Our subject, how to resist temptation. 
my listening friends, I'm still on technique number one, weapon number one, which is the word of God. And the reason why I continue on this one and may not get to the others is because the word of God is so universally neglected among God's people, and it is our only offensive weapon. If you read Ephesians 6, 12 through 17, the word of God, everything else is defensive, the helmet, the shield, the shoes, the belt, but the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, as most preachers will tell you, is the offensive weapon. This is God's word, and that's why I stress it so heavily in this discussion about resisting temptation. It is God's word not only at the point of temptation, but the word becomes the way we live. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The word of God is the way. The word of God is truth. The word of God is life. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, all these things are combined in the word of God. And so I offer to you today as your weapon of warfare against the devil, the word of God. The Bible itself recommends itself to us. I say again, the Bible recommends itself to us. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Put that in simple normal in the English. How can a young person cleanse his or her life, young man, young woman, by the word of God? Listen to what Jesus told the disciples, grown men. John 15 verse 3. Now you clean through the word. It is the word of God. And I usually demonstrate the reliability and strength of God's word and our relationship to that word this way. Now, this is a phone covering for my phone. It's black. I hope you can see it. If God's word says this is white, you have to say white if you believe the word of God. Let me say it again. Even though your eyes see black, if the word of God says white, we must say white even though we see black. This is the degree of trust and reliance we must have on God's word in that we place God's word above our own intelligence. No matter how many PhDs and DDs we have, we place the simple word of God above our own intelligence. And until we do that, we are not truly trusting God's word as a defense against the devil and all his demons. And so one more time, I recommend to you the word of God, which is largely literal. I say it again, it is largely literal. Most of the Bible is not revelation. Most of the Bible is literal and should be taken as it reads. For instance, Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We have the word again. My listening friends, wherever you are, I give to you as your weapon of warfare against the devil, the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. People frequently ask, what shall I do? What direction should I take? Go to the word of God. And while you will not find the word biology in the Bible, you won't find actuarial science in the Bible, you won't find pharmacology, but you will find divine guidance from the one who is the source of all knowledge. And so as I come to the close of how to resist temptation, I've only dealt with one approach, and that is the word of God. And quite frankly, if this approach is used effectively, we realize that the others may not be as critical, perhaps I shouldn't say as critical, but the others will be even more effective. And the others were prayer, 
and uh, of course, outreach. A busy person in God's work has little time for the devil. Let me say that again. A person busy in God's work is not as susceptible to Satan's temptation as someone who is not. And of course, there is no substitute for prayer. Jesus had to pray. But of all the approaches you and I can use, number one is the word of God. But the word of God must be studied and obeyed. The word of God must be our lifeblood. It must be what sustains us, whether in the presence of temptation or not. We must depend and trust on God's plane, thus saith the Lord. It created the universe. It sustains the universe. It created Lucifer who became Satan. It is elevated above God's very name by God's own pleasure. And it is the name given to Jesus, the word of God. Trust God's word, obey God's word, study God's word. And that word will fortify you against the most tempestuous temptations that Satan can bring against you. Trust God's word live by the word, study the word, and keep this quotation in mind, Christ's Object Lessons, page 100, paragraph 1. If studied and obeyed, the word of God works in the heart, subduing every unholy attribute. Now, let's, lay, let's put the devil aside for a minute, because he's not responsible for all the wickedness we do. If the devil died tonight, people will sin tonight. They'll sin tomorrow. We don't sin because there's a devil. We sin because we have that nature and we, sub we submit to that nature, but the devil cannot force anyone to sin. So I'm simply saying, trust the word of God, trust it and the word of God will. Now, the quotation from Ellen White, if studied and obeyed, the word of God works in the heart, subduing every unholy attribute. Unholy attributes spring from within, and the word of God is the power to subdue them. Even if the devil is off in the North Pole somewhere creating mischief, and you're somewhere in the South Pole, you still have unholy attributes. You and I still have the carnal nature, which has to be fought and repressed and subdued and subjugated and choked. This is done by study of God's word and obedience to what we study. Again, if studied and obeyed, the word of God works in the heart, subduing every unholy, I say again, every, well, Ellen White says, every unholy attribute, whatever it is, the word of God is the answer and the effective remedy. May the Lord bless you as you re-evaluate the word of God in your life. It is good to be decent and continue to live decent lives. It is good to be cultured, continue to be cultured. But it is God's word alone that can make the eternal internal changes. It is God's word alone that clarifies our vision. It is God's word alone that clears up our thinking. It is God's word alone that can direct our steps. The word of God studied and obeyed. How to resist temptation? I was only able to deal with one the word of God. Let's listen to Matthew 4, verse 4 again. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. May the Lord bless you as you make the word of God your preferred menu on your item, on your spiritual, physical, emotional menu. And as the word of God becomes a path that enlightens the way you go. God bless you. Let me offer prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is eternal. As long as you are there, God, there is your word. It contains your life. It contains your character. When we receive the word, we receive your life. When we reject the word, we reject you. 
please, Father, move upon every listening heart, dear God, that we may experience a greater appreciation for thus saith the Lord. Bless all those who listen and help us to trust your word for our defense against the enemy. And use us, Father, to create in others a love and a desire for your word. Bless those associated with this program, dear God. Bless all those who listen, I pray. When you come, save all of us, I ask, without losing one. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.